How's it going, everybody? And welcome to the Barely There podcast. We have returned. 2023 season is in the books. The playoffs are over. The Super Bowl is over. Everyone's disappointed by the outcome at the end of it, except for the entire nation of Kansas City Chiefs fans. Um, but I'm Duke Coughlin. You can follow me at that pod guy, Duke, on Twitter. As always, I'm joined by the Ayatollah of Capicola, Lucas Perfetti at LucasFetti46. Be sure to follow the podcast on Twitter at Barely There Pod. Now I got all that out of the way because I've been only thinking about it in my head for like the last two weeks. We're back and uh, we have a lot to talk about. Um, obviously, you know, the elephant in the room is uh, it's been it's been a while since me and Luke's been on the mic. But, um, you know, when when a team's as bad as the Bears were this year, sometimes you just kind of need a kind of need a mental break every once in a while. Even the even the diehards need it, even though even the best in the game need it. Um, you know, obviously Tom Brady's going to have like, like a six month hiatus before he decides he's going to come back in training camp. So like every once in a while, even the best need a break. So anyway, um, heading into this episode, um, really with, um, with where the attitude is around the league with the Chicago bears, um, we're kind of the bell of the ball in, in Lucas Perfetti's terms. Um, we are on the clock. We have the number one pick. We have, uh, the biggest piece of meat on the table, um, as far as both cap and as far as draft capital as it stands right now. Um, we have a free agent class that's staring us in the face. Um, we're going to start seeing some tough decisions by a lot of these NFL squads. Um, we're going to start seeing guys get tagged. We're going to start seeing guys who are going to be unrestricted free agents heading out. Um, we might even get some restricted free agents as well, but um, I'm not going to get into that whole El Generico situation right now. But anyway, Lucas, how's it going, buddy? Um, I have the unfortunate misfortune of uh, talking to you on a normal basis, but you haven't talked to the people in a while. So why don't you introduce yourself once again? It's going well. Um, you know, it is, it's something that I don't think people were really quite ready for. And I, I made a few tweets about it being like, Hey, got about 72 hours until the Super Bowl is over. And then there's a 24, 48 hour period where the only thing you're going to hear about is a Super Bowl. And then it gets t- taken right to the draft, right? Like free agency does get glanced at, but as we're going to cover in this episode, not a, a lot of the times the biggest players don't make it there. They get tagged and traded. They get tagged. They get extended. Things along those lines, right? Um, so we're going to have to deal with part of that fallout as the new league year begins. I believe right now teams can still negotiate with their um, with their with the players that are on their current roster because it's still considered the 2022 season. Don't mean to correct you. Uh, 2023 Super Bowl, but 2022 season is in the bag. Um, so yeah, man, I just, I like, we are the talk of the town. I mean, you're already seeing the Colin Coward clips talking about how Justin Fields is going to be traded and how, you know, there's no market for the number one overall pick and blah, 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 blah. Like we are the bell of the ball until this, the, this picks get, this pick gets traded. And although we're not talking about the NFL draft, I will say, I think the pick gets traded if maybe two weeks before the draft actually starts. Um, I just feel like something this monumental, with this number one overall pick and, you know, it looks like Ursay's drunk tweeting every single day, tweeting pictures of him on a bear and, and how much he likes Bryce young and shit like that. I just, I just feel like it's kind of one of the, going to be the, one of those things where you don't want to let it sit till draft day. Um, but before we even get there, we got to talk about free agency. Yeah. Lucas has uh, definitely, uh, he's been just holding his breath in as far as like wanting to talk about the NFL draft. I've never seen him more hyped up for an NFL draft, honestly. 
Um, you're kind of like that. Last five fucking years, dude. We don't dude. have to pick or we're not picking until the third round or anything like that. It's I've done so many mocks in the past where it's like I am picking for the number one overall team. And I'm like, man, dude, there's so much opportunity fucking here. And now it's finally here, dude. We finally have a full fucking draft. If if only the if only the viewers at home heard the just just seen the disgusting amount of DMs that I've gotten from you with freaking mock drafts in them. It's just oh, just so the cool. absolute fucking sight of it. I actually have them um, all on a file, and I will dump them all at one point. Yeah, no, he's he's gonna be like completely disgusting about it. It's gonna be it's gonna he's gonna start his own website, Lucas Leaks. It's just gonna be all just leaked fucking mock drafts, and this is the most disgusting <laughs> way possible. Yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, no, I, we do definitely have to talk about free agency. Um, I, I don't know if I said at the top of the episode, but we are going to actually, this is going to be kind of a two-parter. Um, we'll end up getting to another episode next week, but these are going to be a fairly longer episode, just being able to cover free agency. And then we're going to cover quite a bit about the draft next week. Um, that is kind of like the story that everybody's talking about. Obviously now the Super Bowl is over, but I do really think it is important to kind of note that our draft strategy can change considerably based on what we end up doing at free agency. Um, not, not that I think the bears are going to go absolutely nuts as far as like the first wave of signings. I think they're going to, I think they're going to be in conversations. They're going to kind of show everybody like, Hey, we're, we're, we're in the hunt. You know I mean? We have a seat at the table as you know, white Sox fans have heard for years. Um, we're definitely going to show interest in some of these guys, but as far as pulling the trigger on some of them, or having them pull the trigger on us as far as like actually signing a deal with us, that's going to, that's going to have yet to be seen. Um, we do have a considerable amount of cap to be able to use. Um, but I think even outside of like the top, the top echelon of free agency, I think when you even get past like the Orlando Browns, the Marcus Davenport, the Saquon Barkley, Josh Jacobs, you know, of the world, I think there's still a pretty significant amount of fuck of uh, value that that can be taken advantage of here. Um, especially on the offensive line. I think, I think this year, as far as an offensive line market goes in free agency, as long as all these guys are going to hit the market, which, of course, you're going to find a couple that won't. Um, it's one of the stronger classes we've had, I, I think, as far as depth goes. I mean, it, it's star power, no. I think Orlando Brown is kind of like on his own little island as far as like star power with offensive linemen go in this free agent cycle. But I think there is definitely uh, – there's some – Ryan Poles type signing. Like if you're gonna if you're gonna try to sell us on Lucas Patrick last year, I think he can sell us on some of these guys that are sitting in here. Oh speaking of last year, let's everyone just reflect on some of the takes we saw. Okay. There's a lot of people out there that don't know what the fuck they're talking about. Let's just be honest. All right. Like they there, there's no realistic um there, there's no logical brain like bone or, or it's designed, right? They're either a really just trying to get followers by telling you guys like Lucas Patrick are fucking star studded. And, you know, even who was it before? Who was the guy at the RFA? Was that uh, Ryan um, or what was his name? The guy from Buffalo. I'm blanking. Ryan, Ryan, Ryan Bates. Ryan I, Bates. Yeah. Like those yeah, guys yeah. like that. Everyone was getting fucking juiced up for like they got, they got real, they got real swifty about it. There's there's levels to this shit, right? And not every player that the Bears sign is going to be a good signing, and not everyone's going to be a fucking superstar. So um, that's just a reminder. If you want some legitimate, realistic, hey, let's look at this through a, a realist lens type coverage, come check out Barely There. Subscribe if you haven't already. Um, but yeah, I think I think strategy wise, I'm. I'm See, this is kind of where, and I know that's not your personal feelings, Duke. We we talked about this for 20 minutes before. But I do think the Bears are in a unique position with their draft because of 
the first overall pick and how much extra capital that they can acquire. I think they're in a unique position where you might be a little underwhelmed in terms of the free agent strategy. Um, you know, I'm seeing people put up fucking, Hey, we signed Saquon Barkley for 18 million. We signed Orlando Brown for 24. We signed Davenport for 25. Like, let's be real here. This $120 million is going to go very quickly. And I would assume that if you look at the way that the chiefs operate, and if you look at the way the Philly, uh, Philadelphia Eagles operate, um, they don't really get pressed up against the cap unless it's time to push all in. And I would assume that Ryan Poles and Ian Cunningham realize that they have about 22 or 21, 20 spots that they need to upgrade um, substantially in order to become a competitor for a Super Bowl. Right. So I think you're going to see, a little bit more of those lower tier signings um, that Duke was talking about. Now I do think we're going to give someone a big contract. I think we're going to go after someone big, whether it is an Orlando Brown or a uh, Davenport or, you know, if Deron Payne makes it to free agency, something like that, right? One of the Washington defensive linemen get cut. I do think we're going to make a play for him, but you got to think we're going to have to overpay quite a bit in order to get one of those guys to come here if they value winning, because we were just the worst team in the NFL. So if you look at what Pohl says, and if Pohl's is a man of his word, he talked about in his introductory press conference, we're going to go with valuation versus evaluation. And where those things mat match up, we're going to then pursue it, right? So essentially saying, hey, if this draft picked or this free agent is, we have them up here and they're you know, their capital is above up here. Let me get it in the frame. Like if they're above here, like we're not going to meet them halfway, right? Like it has to match where they're at. They have to, to, to feel confident making that signing. So I just feel like, you know, you might be a little bit underwhelmed. And I, I think specifically for this um, free agency, it makes sense because the bears have so many spots open and that's what I was getting at with the draft. Like they're in such a unique position where, any guy that's slipping that should have been a second round pick or a first round pick. And you're at that first spot in the, in the third round, like they can pick that guy, no matter what position they play. If you look at safety and corner, right? Like you probably aren't going to draft one of them with your first round pick, but like, otherwise you can use one of each, right? Like we don't know what's going to happen with Bojack in the future. You know, his contract's pretty expensive. He could be a cut candidate next year. Um, I actually wouldn't even be surprised if they try to replace him this year. I think it would be fucking stupid, but like just how the teardown is gone, I wouldn't be completely shocked. Right. Um, but I, I just feel like you're in a position where you can draft really any position. We can use tackles. We can use guards. We definitely need a center. We can use fucking wide receivers, right? Like really every position we can use another tight end. We can use all defensive linemen. So I just feel like, if you were to go out there and bust your nut on a couple different things um, and fill spots that way, then you're kind of taking away that flexibility in the draft. And I, maybe I'm just being optimistic, but I like the idea of being able to be like, you know, I brought this up pre pre uh, podcast as well, but a guy like a Wosu Koromoa a couple of years ago was just falling way too far. And eventually the Browns, I think were able to snag him up in like the third round or the end of the second round or like a DK Metcalf was at the end of the second round, right? Like these guys that were getting a ton of pre-draft hype that just fell for whatever reason or another, you're going to be able to take every single one of those guys in this draft and it's not going to affect anything. You're not going to have to worry about pushing veterans out or where do we put this guy to play? Like you need everything. So, you know, for it, for a GM that, says he wants to build through the draft and make the team younger. I would just be a little surprised if he made like two or three top of market contract signings in the first wave. 
Yeah, so I, I, I really think with the way that I've seen polls kind of maneuver, um, I, I do think he's not somebody that's going to necessarily ignore free agency. I don't think he's going to go nuts as far as like, you know, kind of as I said at the top of my point, I don't know if like an Orlando Brown or a Marcus Davenport are guys that we're going to fucking bust our, like if we're going to go jump at, you know what I mean? And those are kind of like the top tier guys. I mean, Jam- Jamel Dean, obviously, but like I don't see us putting that much money on the defensive side of the football right now anyway. Plus, you have a former Eberflus guy out there in Rocky Sin who would probably make a pretty damn good nickel cornerback for us and be able to put Kyler Gordon outside permanently, which is something that I know a lot of us have been dying for. Um, but kind of, kind of what I said in our uh, pre, in our pre-show like uh, discussion, Lucas. Um, I really do think that there is going to be something to be said about the idea of putting money on the offensive side of the football while we still can, uh, and it's it not kind of being all put into the uh, Justin Fields basket if Justin Fields ends up being that guy, which a lot of us believe that he will be. Um, and you kind of have to hit a point where now would be the time to get him surrounded with some offensive talent. Like we saw what he was without that offensive talent. And I do truly believe in building in the draft, but I think if we're going to try to get ahead of something here, um, I feel like now would be the time to spend a little bit of money on the offensive side of the football, maybe even try to use it, you know, swing a trade for a guy like DeAndre Hopkins or other, any other disgruntled wide receivers we might run into throughout the off season. Um, and try to see what that offense looks like with a Justin Fields, because if we're going to end up paying him, you know, we kind of need to see what he looks like in a competent NFL offense. And if he does look like that guy, then we're going to probably have to take more of the Kansas City Chiefs approach with how they're kind of dealing with Patrick Mahomes and his contract. And we're going to have to spend any free money we have on the offensive side of the football to be able to facilitate, you know, the quarterback that we already have, um, which isn't going to be very much. And we're going to have to really focus on being able to have maybe that one or two guys that we sign on defense and being able to draft pretty consistently through throughout, like on that side of the football. Um, you know, I think one thing that gets lost in the draft process is uh, how quickly some of these guys can develop past the first round. Um, you know, I you see a lot of guys that end up falling, might not have a big rookie year, but then by second or third year, they look like a legit starter. You know, I, I don't know if we're I don't know if we're going to put all our eggs in that basket necessarily with another year of Justin Fields, especially with us not being able to put that around him. So I would be shocked if we didn't come out of free agency with an offensive tackle um, because that, need, yes, that yeah. seems like kind of the, that seems like kind of the big one. You know, and, you know, outside of Orlando Brown, which people have kind of like laser sighted in on, and even the people who don't like or want Orlando Brown would still get on board with Orlando Brown, if we're being totally honest. You know, I think people get a little ahead of themselves when they try to uh, break down some of these signings. But, I mean, you have Caleb McGarry in Atlanta. If he ends up hitting the market, that would be a significant fucking right tackle to pair with Braxton Jones. You have Mike McGlinchey, who has the very obvious Illinois connection with his Notre Dame ties, like – and that's a guy that we all really wanted in the draft, if we're being honest. Um, you know, you have a guy like Isaiah Wynn, who's been a longtime starter with New England, sitting at only 27 years old, and he's not a guy who's going to go out there and break the market either. Like, there's definitely there's definitely guys out here that can be signed without breaking the bank. Um, I know we were talking about it before the show started about hitting the floor, and I think there is enough talent out here to be able to have a pretty decent haul in free agency while hitting the floor without overspending. Um, the only thing that I'm worried about, I just don't want to get into a, uh, a habit of it as far as like our GMs go is I don't want to like keep pushing mythological money down the, down the line, just convinced that we're going to end up spending it because we've seen too often just 
penny pinchers within the Chicago Bears organization. And I don't want to sit here and say that like McCaskey family's like like causing that whatsoever. But I think a lot of people, especially like with the with the modern draft, with the modern kind of uh draft pick kind of uh valuations and stuff like that. I think we get a little too caught up in always wanting this like mythological money down the road. Um, and I really think the cap, cap space is something that can be manipulated as well. So I wouldn't be surprised if we did spend a nice chunk of money. While I don't think it's going to be any like insane long-term money, because I think even if we sign a McClinchy or, or a McGarry, that'll be like maybe a three, four year deal. And those guys are both 28. So it's hard to really see the bad end of that. Um, and they're both guys who have stayed consistently fairly healthy. Um, McGlinchey, I think, had some problems this year, but that's not something I would totally worry about. Um, so I, I, I think if if Ryan Poles is going to go spend some money in free agency, it's going to be for long term pieces. He's not going to go get these. He's not going to get like a thirty two year old Jordan Poyer. You know what I mean? Like he's not going to go sign an aging uh, an aging edge rusher just to have production on the edge. You know, I think there is an argument that you can get young through free agency while being able to uh, have yourself be able to hone in a little bit more in the draft. Because like when you were bringing up Lucas um, kind of the draft strategy of being able to draft whoever you want based on what, like where you at, like with a pick and who's the best available. If you sign these guys through free agency, in my opinion, it allows polls to move back and create more draft capital because he's not in love with somebody at a certain pick. Um, and I think that's something that even, you know, when we're talking about trading the first overall pick, that's kind of the idea. You know, I think you kind of are able to get good value through this draft this year while being able to load up, load up for the draft next year and potentially even trade up in the draft next year. If there's a guy you're fucking absolutely in love with, you know, like a, like a Marvin Harrison, you know, or say, you know, and I know I'm not trying to shit on Justin Fields here, but let's say Fields doesn't look too great this year. Caleb Williams looks like he's going to be a fucking legit NFL quarterback. And that could also be a move you could end up trading up for as well. Moving, moving into next year, if we have enough draft capital. So like what I want to see him do in free agency is cover his ass. So he's not forced to pick with all his picks in, in the draft. And he's able to collect as much draft capital as he can while coming away with a really good draft this season. And I think with how much we've seen polls uh, trade down in the past, I think that's something that, could very much be on the table you know i'm not saying that's necessarily what i think they're going to do but um i don't think it would be the worst strategy in the world no well and and that's sorry i kind of unloaded a bit there no i get it but it's a, so the first thing i want to talk about it is the um the younger free like you can get younger in free agency yes you can but it's a very expensive approach like the guys that are in the second and third wave are the older guys, the guys that have already been paid once, um, you know, guys that don't have as much left in the tank, those two-year deals, those three-year deals instead of the five. Anyone that's in their prime, like a Roquan Smith going into, you know, they're 20, they're 25 years old and they're going into their fifth year into the league or their sixth year in the league, like they expect a five-year deal where it's a standard fucking half of it's guaranteed, right? So a lot of times those guys don't even make it to free agency. And when they do, it's because – a team kicked the can down the road like the new Orleans saints who's in cap fucking hell right now, or like a Jacksonville Jaguars who busted their entire nut last off season um, and really pressed themselves to the, to the edge in terms of cap. So while you can do those things, it's a dangerous game to play when your roster is not ready to fucking win a super bowl. That's like, that's why I think, you know, that's why I just think it's, 
I think that's the right strategy to go with. Now, I don't know what they're going to do, but just from what everything that I've gathered from polls, he's taken a more conservative approach and I want him to take a more conservative approach, right? Like we didn't go through the worst record in the NFL, the most losses ever by a Chicago bears team. Like we didn't go through all that shit just to be a nine win team next year. And like you said, fill holes with guys like Jordan Poyer and just completely overspend. And then, and then, Oh, okay, cool. We won nine games. We went to the playoffs, got, bounce first round. Now we're in cap hell again. Like, I don't think you do that teardown and, and acquire all of that dead cap just to put yourself back in the same situation. So I'm going to be honest, man. I think we're going to barely get above the cap floor with, in terms of what our spending is this off season draft class included. Like, I don't think they're going to really push too much further than that. Things could change and guys could become available that they're really in love with that they think are going to be cornerstone pieces, right? Maybe they're able to sign a Marcus Davenport and a Orlando Brown. Like, Sure. Right. Like I'm, I'm not going to be upset about it, but I just, I don't know. And then when it comes to the, the penny pinching, I understand it, but I think in the recent years, like this is more for the meathead 85 bears fans that dealt with Michael McCaskey and George Hallis. And like, you heard the stories about how, you know, they weren't going to pay, uh, who was it? Uh, Mongo. Um, that's tough. That's a tough one to bring up. Um, but like Ryan Pace exhausted that salary cap. Like he fucking spent every dollar that he could. Um, so I just feel like, you know, listen, and even to refer back to Pace, I've, I've seen a lot of this floating around in the offseason. Like no one's ever torn it all the way down. Yes, it's been torn down many fucking times. Okay. We've seen it torn down many times. If you just started watching the Bears, I totally understand. If you're younger, I totally understand. But this whole complete rebuild shit has happened just twice in the last decade, right? Like, Pace tore that motherfucker down to the studs and kept really only Cutler for as long as he had to. And then he cut him. There was a time when the bears had the youngest team in the NFL for two years straight, right? Like this is not, this is not a foreign concept. It's all about how you build things back. And that's why I think you have to take a more conservative approach. Cause if you go out there and spend like an asshole, you're going to find yourself in a bad spot again, and you're going to have to start cutting players and, you know, et cetera, et cetera. So I don't know. I just feel like if you really look at free agency over the last couple of years, all of the top, top names that didn't have injury concerns or were getting up there in age, like they were all traded. Devonta, uh, uh, um, Devontae Adams, Tyreek Hill, AJ Brown, even Hollywood Brown, like all of these big names that got moved, they were done via trade. And if we're going to pay someone big, I prefer to do it via trade and then fucking extending them. But proven, not Chase Claypool, like an actual fucking number one. Right. Like a DeAndre Hopkins. I'm okay with taking on that cap hit and trading for him. Like, you get what I'm saying? So I just feel like um, there's, there's, you, you're going to get better no matter what. The product on the field is going to be better. And the only goal should be what the only goal should have been last year. And that's protecting Justin Fields and surrounding him with enough talent. So I agree completely. I don't, I don't see them really spending a ton of money on the defensive side of the ball. I think we're going to see a lot more of those Justin Jones type $7 million contract sprinkled in because you do have to get to the cap floor, but these like humongous five-year deals, like before anything's really set in motion before they really, you know, really get that catered talent to Justin Fields. Like that needs to be first priority. You can't have this kid running for his fucking life again. So sure. If you were to make a big signing, I want it to be on the offensive line. There's not going to be any wide receivers that are worth damn. The only guy that kind of intrigues me is like bringing back Byron Pringle or Noah Brown. I like what Noah Brown has to offer. 
Um, but then again, that's that's small potatoes when we're talking about like the type of free agents people are going after. And that's why I think a lot of people are supplementing it with their mock off seasons with like a Josh Jacobs or a Saquon Barkley. As much as I love both of those players and to be real here, if we're picking one, it's Josh Jacobs. We're going to pick the guy that's been hundred percent healthy that played with the broken hand in a season that was fucking lost versus the guy that's had injury concerns, right? Like I just feel like you, you, you want some stability. If you're going to give someone a contract like that, we're not giving a running back that kind of contract, dude. Let's just be realistic here, right? This kind of takes us back into the mode I was in before. A lot of people don't know what the fuck they're talking about, right? Like, and I, we will clip this and I will fucking put myself on blast, but we are not paying top dollar to a fucking free agent running back. Not when we, when, when our quarterback was running for his life last year, right? Like I want to see a legitimate center brought in. I'm okay with bringing in a legitimate fucking guard as well, right? Like, and, and, Kind because well you know is Alex Leatherwood a part of the plan right like we have some thing we have some people there but all of them are kind of that same level where only a couple are elevated right like love Cody Whitehair he's getting older we could probably move on from him in the next year or two right like I love what Tevin Jenkins showed us his injury concerns are a fucking issue like we can't we can't be spread so thin at the offensive line that if one guy goes down we're fucked again and we're back to Sam Mustafer like we just can't do it that can't be an option. Our only goal last year should have been protecting Justin Fields, and we drafted a corner and a safety, and then our biggest contract was offered to a three technique. While I do love all of those, I love Ogan Joby. I thought he had a good year this year, actually, when he started to get healthy. Uh, I love Gordon. I love Brisker. That's a failure. Ryan Poles failed last year in terms of protecting our number one asset, and that is Justin Fields. That has to be the only goal. So if you spend nothing but offensive uh, on offensive line and offensive talent, totally okay with that. Even if it's a fucking Dalton Schultz, while I don't want to pay a tight end big money, like just getting him guys is something is the only priority this offseason. We can have the worst defense in the league next year. We're not competing for a Super Bowl. Let's be real here. Yeah, um, I I really do think money needs to be spent on the offensive side of the football, and I think it, money is going to be spent on the off, offensive side of the football as far as free agency goes. Um, we just we can't we can't convince ourselves yet that we can just like just draft nothing but starters in the draft. And I think we get like a little caught up in that sometimes. And like I love draft capital and I think polls really did a good job manipulating the draft last year to be able to get value at both those picks. But like when you start drafting for need for starters in the draft, that's when you're gonna start running into issues. That's awesome. And like the reason the reason why like I wanna suspend some money on the offensive side of the football is because like you nailed it on the point. Like he failed to protect Justin Fields last year. Like Lucas Patrick was a, was a massive failure. Like there's no other way to put it, dude. Lucas Patrick, no matter what, when he was healthy, he didn't look good. He was having, he he looked terrible, you know, and I don't see that bouncing back, but that's a contract we're almost fucking stuck with for next year. Um, but that's fine because it's only what four million dollars. Like I don't. That's fine. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but, I, but I mean, there's like there's there's young offensive players out here that I don't think are going to get like stupid markets. Like a lot of the top tier in this market, you're gonna yeah, you're gonna find your 25, 26, 27 year olds, but they're sprinkled in throughout this entire thing because there are teams that either flat out can't pay them or they want to go to a team that's a little bit more on the up compared to where they are. You know, there 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 are teams that are going to allow players to walk because they want to go get that Jordan Poyer for a one or two year deal because they want to take make a run for it instead of trying to, uh, you know, develop a guy like freaking Taylor Rapp and, you know, with the Rams. I'm not saying that's exactly what that would the situation that would go, but 
I, I really think we can load up on some of these younger guys who are kind of falling to the middle tier of uh, of free agency who are still young and still have something to prove without really breaking our bank. You know, I, I even even last year, a guy like DJ Chark, you know, like w- with his contract, I would have taken that instead of trading a second round pick for Chase Claypool this year. You know what I mean? Like, and that's that's kind of the plus side of free agency as well is you're only giving up money. You're not giving up draft capital and then having to pay somebody. You know what I mean? So like there is a benefit to that as well. Um, I just, I don't want us to completely ignore the idea that we need to protect Justin Fields. And I know people are already falling in love with the idea that they're going to, dra- they're going to draft all their offensive replacements through the draft. But in my opinion, it's a lot easier to draft defensive players than it is offensive players just because of how much pressure there is on, especially on like a, 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 a tackle, you know, I, and I truly believe that we are going to focus quite a bit of our money this offseason on offense to at least start building in that direction, you know, because I don't think, I think even if we spend good money this year, I think polls, hopefully in this knock on wood, hopefully polls polls does a good job um, of being a little bit cautious about next year's cap as well. Um, I think he's going to do, I think he should do a decent job with some of these signings that he's going to make, making it guaranteed money or making it upfront money, or even some one year prove it deals because, you know, you brought up Ryan Pace in your previous point, And that was something that he kind of nailed on. Younger guys who maybe didn't get the good run with their, they were looking for with their first team, gave them a one-year prove-it deal. Some of them panned out, some of them didn't. But I think we're going to see quite a bit of those. I think we are going to see at least one big, fairly big offensive line signing, whether it's a guard or a tackle. Uh, because, you know, we also have to look at the fact, and we talked about this before the show, um, while I love Tevin Jenkins at right guard, he could be a guy we could still potentially move out to right tackle, you know? So like if there's a guard that we fall in love with in free agency or even the draft, that could be a situation where we end up moving Tevin Jenkins to his, a more natural position of his, you know, is that something we're going to do that has yet to be seen, but I do think there's different ways to manipulate what we're going to be doing in free agency instead of either spending all or spending none. I think there's a nice little middle ground we can find here. Um, I think people need to, relax with the idea that we're going to sign Orlando Brown and Saquon Barkley or and Josh Jacobs and sprinkle in a fucking Deron Payne in there because that's just not feasible you know especially one offseason you know and especially you know even with the Deron Payne thing even if you end up trading out of that first pick there's you're still going to have some fucking interior defensive line talent in this draft in the first well, round if you and, wanted to go that route like yeah, and that's and- you That's can. where I really feel like we're going to start hitting a trend if we're going to start building around Justin Fields where we're going to have to start using draft capital on the defensive side of the football and going and signing or trading for more proven offensive players. Because, like, hey, you know, say what you want about a guy that hits free agency. Okay, his previous team A didn't want him or B didn't want to, like, tag him and pay him or whatever. They're going to be more proven today as far as whether we know they can be a decent starter or a serviceable starter then we're going to get with some guy that's going to be coming out of the draft outside of like the top 15 or top 20, because once you, once you hover outside of the top 20 of the draft, yeah, there's, there's guys who are insanely high upside. And those are the guys that usually round out the first round and in normal drafts kind of like this year, but there's no like sure things outside of the first round. Like, and even the first round you, you find oh, bust every single year. So bus rate. I think you, have I, just, I want, I just like to, and just kind of wrap up my point. I just want polls to be able to take, if, if there's a starting quality guy there that's young and he's somebody that's not going to break the bank, 
go get him. You know what I mean? Like that's, that's just the way that I, I feel like we should look at it. And I feel like even heading into next year for next year's free agency, free agency, 2024, we should have a similar approach. You know, sure. Maybe if we show some uh, progress this upcoming year, that's when you can go get a Jordan Poyer. You know what I mean? Just as an example of like an older, older guy that probably has like three years left in him that you can go pay just to have the, you know, to make that run. But for right now, I think there's youth. I think that's what we should attack. And even if we don't get top tier youth and free agency, we should go look for that guy that's looking for their second team to try to revitalize their career and give them that one year deal or even a two year, or a two year deal or something just to kind of try to get something moving in the right, right direction. I mean, and we know Ryan Poles likes fucking projects. He traded for Chase Claypool and he traded for Nikhil Harry. You know, those are as about two biggest projects as you can get. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that's, and, and that's what I mean. So like, there's, I, I, I think it's just going to be an interesting thing. I don't think we're going to be the biggest people sitting at the table, but we're definitely going to have a seat, you know? Yeah. I mean, yes, for sure. But I think that kind of aligns with my point in saying like, if you're spending on, say you spend $25 million between a center and a, and a right tackle, you still only have your starting five. Like is that is that like yearly salary? You think I'm saying you're like say you know say you get an Orlando I, Brown or like a, a Juwan uh, Taylor and then you and then you sign someone like a fuck I'm blanking on the name like a, a Bradbury or someone like that right and it gets you around twenty five million dollars with your first round pick you probably that's what I'm saying that's how much it costs I don't I don't I just I don't know if we end up paying either one of those guys that that's a fucking that's a tall task dude. Like in those guys, man, that's just what their market value is. Like, look at I mean, yeah, but is 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 that market value for a guy like Jawan Taylor though? If he's going to be that boy, all right, just give me a second here. So if if you were to spend twenty five, say Orlando, I'm just, Brown, I'm just saying, I, we'll I think I think that valuation's a little high. But go ahead. If you were if you were to spend twenty five million dollars between two people, okay, on the offensive line, that still doesn't make the second round off off grounds for taking a. a tackle or a guard or a center like i just look at a team like the eagles right like what happened when fucking um their hall of famer went down jason peters who played for the bears for the year lane johnson stepped in no problem right like you the one place you can draft high and consistently on both sides of the ball is the line you can draft you can have seven people that are ready to start for your five person offensive line. Like it's just, it's just the way it is. You don't want to be spread thin at either, either one of those positions. Cause we saw what happened right away when Lucas Patrick, who was already, we were already spread thin second. He got injured. Mustafer's back. The offensive line is a fucking train wreck. So you can, that, that that's why I don't think no matter what you spend money on in terms of the offensive side of the ball. And we kind of saw with the Roquan trade, all feelings aside, we saw them take Roquan Smith and trade him and then use their second round pick to pick up Claypool. So they're clearly trying to put some, some um, they're trying to transfer. uh, They're trying to transfer the, the, the fuck man, the, the salary cap. They're trying to make it a lion's share in my opinion, offense as well. Right. They're trying to put all of their capital on the offensive side of the ball. A move like that really, really indicates that. But even still, if you spend money on the offensive line, you can draft more. It's not like Cody Whitehair is a sure thing for two years from now. It's not like we've it's not like we've seen Tevin Jenkins play a full healthy season. As much as we both love him, you have to plan just in case. Like, so yeah, I think you could spend ideally, 
you spend money on protecting Justin Fields and getting him a couple weapons, whether it's through trade or, or free agency. And then you literally keep stacking both of your lines. Like I just don't see like, and with the way the bears are right now and how many, how many holes there truly are, you can, you're going to trade down with that first pick. You're at least getting a couple extra picks. In my opinion, all of your first, second and third rounders should be starters. Like they should all be starters on your team because your team is that bad. Well, and but that that kind of goes into my into my point though, Lucas. Because if we should be looking at first, second, and third round guys being all starters, like why would we? If we can, what I'm saying is, is if we can address an offensive line position, or if we can address multiple offensive line positions through free agency, what's stopping us from being able to trade for future draft capital with that pick if there's a great offensive lineman available and i mean like i not that i don't like i understand like stockpiling i get that but like we just we have a gm who just got freaking braxton jones in the fifth round last year like i'm not i'm saying that's i'm not saying that's the rule because that's usually the exception but he's obviously a guy that understands late round offensive linemen and is willing to kind of throw something at a dartboard for that like i just don't want us to feel like we have to trade we have to draft all our long-term starters in this draft the same way you don't feel like we have to sign a bunch of starters for this free agency for long term no, yeah, you can't what i'm trying to say that. is it's like if we sign some of these positions it gives us more flexibility to be able to trade out of picks in the draft build more long-term draft capital because it's going to hit a point where we are going to have to be tight against the cap because we're going to try to be a competing football team. And how do you keep, how do you stay competing when you're tight on money? You have draft picks to move down the fucking line. You know, we see what the Rams are right now, what they're dealing with, with their cap crunch. Like, yes, they wouldn't want a Super Bowl, So nobody's going to, you know, criticize them for that, but they are dead. As far as draft capital goes, they're going to have a hell of a time rebuilding that entire thing back up unless they make a run this year. But they traded so like, all of their picks for those guys. They didn't have a first for like four years straight. And I and I, I understand that. But I mean, even if you look at like how Kansas City has has worked it, like they've traded players they knew they were going to have to pay at a certain point to get draft capital. And you see Kansas City move around in the draft every year to get draft picks for the next. You know what I mean? So they're able to kind of keep talent moving into the room. So like I wouldn't mind signing free agents now to be able to manipulate the draft this year for – you know, because teams get desperate, especially in the second round. If there's if there's a team that really likes a guy that's on the board that we're sitting at a pick at, and they call us and they offer us like a second or like a a, a second and a third for next year, why why not take that if you already have some of those positions lined up through free agency that you signed? Like it no. opens you up to trade possibilities like that more because you are going to get those calls and you're more amped to be able to a- answer those calls when you're addressing some of these moves. I'm not saying we need to go nuts in free agency, but I'm saying there is enough guys in free agency with this class. Like it, it's a deep class. It's not a fucking t- it's it's not really a top heavy draft or top heavy class. Well, I guess it kind of is, but like it's deep once it gets down past that fucking like initial, like top tier of the free agent draft. And I think we're a team right now that can afford to take some of those deals on because we can take chances on that. And we have the money to be able to do it. And we have the ability to not sign those guys long-term right now, you know, and we're going to have money on the other side of it. So if some of these one-year deals were to pan out or some of these low risk deals were to pan out, then we could pay them on the other side of it while having draft capital. So like, that's, that's where I'm kind of thinking about it. Yeah, for like, sure. I, I I agree with your thought that like we should load up 
if if we at, at no position should be like off limits as far as the draft goes, you know, because we should continue to try to get starting caliber players. But I want to be able to hit a situation where like this is the year where we're going to have our most draft capital available to us. I want to be able to manipulate that into future years. So when we're tight against the cap eventually down the line, we're not being forced to, you know, we're, we don't have we're not going two or three years without a first round pick. If you know what I mean? Like no, this is the year to load up on future draft capital because we have that number one overall pick. And I think even if we have a halfway, even like a, a two or three win difference in next year's season, we're not going to get the number one overall pick again. You know, this is kind of a rare thing for a franchise. So I kind of want to use that Miami dolphins type, uh, like uh theory yeah. where they traded their fucking top picks to get future picks. And then by the time they were competing, they still had some fucking incredible picks to mess around with. Well, and y- yes, exactly. I mean, that's something we talked about before that you kind of fucked me because I, I had charts with draft value trading down. Like you, you're preaching to the choir. I want to trade down as early and often as possible. I, you've seen some of my mocks I've traded into the twenties. Like I have, no problem skipping out on the top tier talent and just finding guys like your Jaquan Briskers, your Kyler Gordons, those guys that had no business being there when, when they got picked, right? Like you look at their production in year one and you're like, yeah, they should have gone in the first round, right? Like I, I really like the idea of trading down and getting as much capital for future years. And I use that exact, exact example in our pregame. Like Miami had the ability to trade down still get a first round pick and get Jalen Waddle because they traded down to eight and then they traded back up to six when they saw he was on the board. I want the bears to have that flexibility in 2024 and 2025. Like that's, that should be one of the main goals of the draft. And I, I mean, I feel like we're kind of agreeing, but just not hearing each other properly or both just fat. Right. Like, cause we are both pretty fat. Yeah. So like, I think, <laughs> I, I think like, yes, like you should not go into this, see this draft needing to fill a spot on the offensive line via one of your draft picks, like depending on one of them to become a starter. No, I don't want that at all. I, you, I think at minimum you need to sign a center and a right tackle, or if you want to go big on a left tackle and move Braxton over to the right, right side. Right. But if we get to the point where we're in the second round and we're looking at a guy like Dewan Jones is still not off the board and he went nuts at the senior bowl and he's just an enormous human being like, I, I don't have a problem, you know, like I, I think Braxton Jones really did earn the right to show more. Um, but if we're upgrading in terms of protecting Justin Fields, you got to do what you got to do. Right. So like, that's why I just feel like you're in a unique position where even if the offensive line is filled, you could still add on to it because I mean, just look at, um, look at the Bengals, man. I bet they wish they had a chance. Like if obviously Jamar chase, you probably wouldn't, pass on that pick but if they had a chance to get the number one pick they would probably be like yeah i'm gonna trade absolutely down as much as i can and just draft nothing but fucking linemen like i got myself an extra six picks we've seen it before uh um ryan poles last year traded down four times and now that's a little bit different because it was fifth round picks and and shit like that um to move into later and just kind of get more throws at the dartboard but i think at a minimum you need to trade down to four with the colts or two and then trade down again like i think those first I think you should trade twice um, when it comes to the fir- that first overall pick. I think you need to trade it twice because um, that's how you're going to maximize all the capital you're going to get. And then you can sit and pick. You're not worried. You picked up all the capital you need for the next couple of years with just those two trade downs. Sure, you maybe miss out on Will Anderson, which when we get into draft coverage, I'll talk about him. I mean, he looks like he was built in the fucking lab, but 
his motor leaves something to be desired in my opinion. Um, right. And I think Jalen Carter, if we were to just sit and pick at one Jalen, Jalen Carter's a pick, he's a fucking monster. He's not normal. Um, he's kind of reminds me of, cause he's not going to have the stats that someone like Will Anderson had, but he's the guy that anchors the entire defense, similar to when Eddie Goldman was in his prime, right? Like Eddie Goldman didn't get a lot of stats, but he was the lifeblood of that defense. And we saw that year that he was gone. It was tough for everyone else, right? Like you need someone to anchor and that, and, and that best part is he can play nose in pass rushing sets. He can play the three technique. He can bounce outside if you need him to like, he's versatile. He's got really good fucking feet. I think he's the best player in this draft by a wide margin, to be honest. Um, yeah, no, I, I agree with you actually. And I'm not trying to interrupt your point, but like the comparison I've come up with, uh, as far as like what he looks like in college, um, compared to, and as well as what he can be in the NFL, think of like Ed Oliver, if he didn't play at Houston and if he actually had to play in the sec, like that's what Jalen Carter reminds me of. I think they are just an incredibly similar player and maybe Ed Oliver isn't a name that kind of bounces off to a lot of people that are listening. And that's totally fine because like, I don't expect defensive tackles in the league to get like that type of cred, but Ed Oliver is a grown ass man and he anchors the Buffalo fucking bills defense. And he just doesn't get the credit for it because, you know, people don't like to talk about the interior defensive lineman of a great defense. You know, they're else. you know, 18 sacks a week or a a year. Like no one's going to really talk about him. Right. Like, yeah. And Ed, Ed Oliver is a guy that I think is just one of the best defensive tackles of football. And when you can get it, when you can get a guy like that, you, you get him, you know what I mean? But I also I also do believe that he is a guy that can fall with a trade down. And if we do st- – if we because I want us to trade out a number one regardless. That's that's where I'm at. It's, I want, that's happening. If it doesn't I want, happen. Yeah, like I want, that, I want that future draft capital regardless. But if we hit a scenario where we go down to like four, you know what I mean, and we and we decide we're going to draft somebody, like if, if we trade down to four and all of a sudden pick is in, pops on the bottom of the screen, it better be Jalen Carter. Like that's, that's all I'm saying. Yeah. I mean, I, if he's still there, right. Cause I think what you're really looking at in terms of draft, and I guess we're getting into next week's episode a little bit more, but what you're really looking at in terms of draft is you would think the Colts are going to be able to offer more than the Texans and you're trading down and you're still able to get one of Will Anderson or, um, or Jalen Carter. Right. And Arizona needs someone on the defensive line, whether it's one of those two guys who knows what they're thinking, but there's also the wild card of like the Texans having two first round picks and being like, yeah, the Colts traded up. We really like Bryce Young. Bryce Young's not there anymore. We don't like Levis that much. We're going to go with fucking Will Anderson because we know he's a stud. We don't like lettuce that much, he says. Levis. Levis. Oh, Levis, my bad. Right? Like, or, or Stroud. Like, the, the, like, it's not a guarantee. Like, if we give, if we give the Colts that first pick, it's not a guarantee that the Texans are going to take uh, uh, a quarterback with that second pick, right? They could be more so keying in on Anthony Richardson, hoping he falls to 12. Um, they also have some ability to manipulate their draft. And if they have a really high grade on Carter, they might take Carter and then be like, hey, we can move up with Cleveland's first rounder that we have next year in our 12 and then move up to pick like eight or seven and get the best available out of Levis, Shroud, and Richardson, right? Like, we still don't know. I think Richardson's kind of a wild card. It looks like Levis is elevating and Stroud is kind of slipping, which is unfortunate because, dude, Stroud went fucking nuts against Georgia. Like, absolutely nuts. No one has had a performance like that against Georgia in the last two years. So, Bryce Young included. So, I just feel like, you know, I, without getting too deep into it, I just feel like, yes, if you trade down to four and Carter's still there, you have to take him. 
If Carter's not there, I'm willing to pass on Anderson. I think you trade down again to someone that needs a quarterback because that means that, you know, um, only uh, or that means that that one of the big quarterbacks is still available and someone's going to want to come up to get him, whether that's the Jets at 13, whether that's, you know, the Commanders, the the Panthers, the the Falcons. Right. So it just depends on how the draft falls. But I don't want to get too deep into that. I mean, should we like talk about random fucking free agent targets that we might like or we're going to talk about it more leading up? But I guess this was just an overall offseason strategy two part episode. Yeah, no, it's fine, dude. Honestly, we just we need to get our our fat voices on a microphone anyway. So like it's it's just nice to be talking about the Bears again and not be talking about the factor of sadness that was the season. Because like I like I feel like that affected us more than anything was just like me and you would talk like in like starting to head into December as we're like dealing with family holidays and stuff like that. And you know, like there's always just something going on during that time of the year. And we're talking like, dude, the Bears are getting their ass kicked every single game. Like, cause like I don't miss games. Lucas doesn't it was miss like games. A four week span, we didn't fucking force a punt, dude. It was bad. and that's and that's what I mean, dude. Like, I feel like I feel like us recording before the Eagles game, saying we don't know when we're going to be back, was like the perfect foreshadowing. Considering the Eagles game was just such a monumental fucking loss for us. Like, it, it, it felt it, that one really hurt because it's like we had the team that was the best team in the NFC, like on their heels at certain points in that game. We just, we, we lost by five, dude. Yeah. We, well, it, and, and it hurts, you know what I mean? Because like you see how well we fucking played them. And then you see how that all went down in the Super Bowl for them. They were one, they were very close to being Super Bowl champions. I'm not going to say they were one play away. I'm not going to go that dramatic about it, but they were very close to being Super Bowl champions. So there was something there with that team and it just really hurt watching that and just, you know, as diehard Bears fans, sometimes it gets a little difficult. So it is nice to just talk broadly about the Chicago Bears. But, you know, and I've already brought up a couple of these names, Lucas. Um, I guess a couple that really just stick out to me as far as, like, maybe maybe value signings, in my opinion. Um, and I would still consider, like, a Mike McGlinchey a value signing because I don't think he's going to get stupid money. I think there's this type of narrative that he's kind of, kind of busted for San Francisco. Um, I don't totally grasp that but i've seen it a lot and i don't see uh the 49ers being as high on them as like they were but i think that would be just a pickup that would be familiar within within the area i i'm i wouldn't be surprised if he was a bears fan growing up with his background stuff like that that would be the the feel-good story while also getting a damn good right tackle you know because i i don't think you would have to ask too much from him and he would be a significant upgrade over anybody who's played right tackle for us in a long time. If we're being totally honest, you know what I mean? Maybe, maybe that one year of Bobby Massey, if we want to get fucking into particulars, but when's the last time the bears had a good right tackle, you know? Um, And then outside of that, I mean, I brought up Rocky Asin earlier. I think that would be a, a, a decent signing familiarity with the Eberflus system. And that could also put him at, in in the slot and put Kyler outside where he belongs at this point. Cause you know, I understand playing Kyler in the slot and the outside to kind of give him the trial by fire as a rookie. You know, that's some defensive coordinators kind of like to do. Vic used to do that with Kyle Fuller early in his career. He used to constantly challenge him with dumb shit like that, but it works. Um, that would be a signing that I wouldn't mind seeing. And he would probably become cheap because he wasn't necessarily a world beater in Vegas. And I think he's more of a system guy, which would be nice considering we have the head coach with his system. Um, and then, you know, you have like Bradley Bozeman in Carolina, you have Connor McGovern in, you know, from, from the jets, he's, he's 30, but honestly, like, I just want some sort of consistency at center. 
Nothing you can say can convince me that Sam Mustafer can't be replaced at any given moment. I don't care if we freaking bring Olin Kruitz back for a year. That's that's where I'm at. You know what I mean? And Olin Kruitz wouldn't do it because I'm not even going to I'm not even going to go down that road. But um, I love you, Olin. Uh, and I also think that we have to take a look at the linebacker, the linebacker fucking market in free agency. Oh, as well. yeah, don't take mine. as much as I as much as I hate to do it because don't like, take mine because I got a couple I like actually. All right, well, I'll take the fucking obvious one because of, because of Kayla then. And I, Leighton Vandrash looks really good oh, in a 4 3 defense. Oh, fuck me. Um, be a lot better than fucking Nicholas Moreau. And, and by the way, like anybody but Nicholas Moreau at this point. Yeah. Um, so there's two guys that maybe didn't reach their full potential um, on their current teams, but they were both drafted very young and played in similar systems. Uh, Tremaine Edmonds would be first, who's going to get paid more, which I would be a little bit more surprised with that. Um, but he was someone that like, dude, I think he was like 21 when he was drafted. So he was very, very young. And like, I feel like he started really kicking into gear. Uh, and I don't know if Buffalo is going to be able to pay him. Right. Maybe they maybe they franchise tag him. Um, but I think franchise tags for linebackers are like bunched in with edge rushers. So yeah, our, our boy Roquan helped that. Uh help that equation by getting paid with Baltimore. So I remember being told he wasn't going to get paid. That's again. off ball linebacker, dude. And yeah. like, come on, I, Lucas Tremaine Edwards is an off ball linebacker. I just want you to know that again, <laughs> I'm going to make a call back to the beginning of the show. There's a lot of motherfuckers on that bird app that claim to know things about sports or football. And they don't have the slightest fucking clue, right? Like, we were told how how many times that Roquan Smith was not going to get paid, right? Like, how many times were we told that throughout, that he was just dog shit? And then you look at the metrics of how much he impacted the, the Ravens' defense. There's just a lot of motherfuckers that don't know what they're talking about. So, yes, can I, off ball. Can I, can I jump in just with one point here? Because I've been dying to get this off my chest because it's been irritating me for a while and I haven't gotten to say it on a pod yet. Jack Sanborn's the exception, not the rule. You can't just go fucking get undrafted linebackers and think that they're just going to produce automatically in any defense. And by the way, every time you act like that, you discredit the fact that the season that Jack Sanborn had. These guys don't just fucking come off off the street. People get overlooked. That's how they become undrafted. But that does not mean that every undrafted linebacker or late round linebacker is going to come in and immediately fill a hole, a a Roquan Smith-sized hole. So people that are just convinced that any linebacker in the draft that we draft, you know, is just going to be able to fill in and get a hundred plus tackles. Like you're fooling yourself. Like Jack Sanborn's diamond in the rough. Like that's that we're not going to be able to get that lucky again. You know what I mean? Like maybe, maybe another position. Sure. But like at linebacker, like that's, it's not as normal as you think it is. There are a lot of linebackers who play a year or two and are never seen again because they're dog shit, but you don't know about them because you never heard about them because they're not that good. So if you're convincing yourself that off-ball linebackers grow on trees, you're very wrong. But anyway, no. Lucas, continue. I just wanted to get they that. They don't. And anytime you see major buzzwords, like say you see the word off-ball linebacker four times in the same thread, I would probably disregard it unless it's someone mocking someone talking about Block it. that person or mute them. I just hate the fucking buzzwords, dude. I fucking hate them. And they became such a trend, you know, like I think who was it? Michael Gus that said, I think he was talking about X receivers or something like that. Or the YNU tight end was a thing for a while as well. But people were talking about X receivers. Like, like dude, like X is an alignment. You're on the fucking ball. 
Like that's literally all it is. Like you're the strong side of the fucking passing formation. Like, what are we talking about here? Right. Like, and people were talking about it. Like, Oh, you have to fit this, like this, that size. Why? No, no, no. Like it's literally where you fucking line up, bro. Like, that's it. That's it. It's all, it's only where you line up. That's all it means. The Z or, you know, whatever you're going to call them, your wildcat. Like that's, that's your motion, man. Right. That's your guy. That's off the ball. Because when you're on the ball, you can't motion when you're off of it. You can correct. Like, cause it's no, set. You're, you're set hundred percent correct. And then your person that's off the ball can motion. Right. Um, and then you have your slot who lines up in the slot. That's all it is. It's alignment. Yeah, no, you're hundred percent correct on that. And it's funny because like, you'll ask somebody and by the way, Michael Gus is a great follow and great he, follow. he kills those narratives all the time. And I love it. And that's why me and him vibe, like we all vibe with football pretty well. He's a guy who knows, he knows what he's talking about. Even when you don't agree with him, he's probably got a point to what he's making. So a uh, nice little shout out there. I'm willing to have um, a discourse with anyone that has um, their thoughts grounded in like logic and I can connect the dots. Exactly. You know, like I've disagreed with him on multiple and I don't want to just talk about him, but like I've disagreed with him multiple times and you want to know what I've always had the utmost respect for him and he's always had the utmost respect for me and it's always come out the right way. You know, then you have guys, you know, who are have Justin Field profile pictures who uh, think they're the shit on YouTube, just, you know, firing off at anybody, but can't tell you what an ex receiver does. You know what I mean? Like it's just, it's a callback because I remember when Matt Nagy was hired and he was trying to freaking do Jedi mind tricks about what the X, Y, Z receiver does and how only certain tight ends can fit into certain molds. (laughs) And I called that out for bullshit the second I heard it. And I was just told that I didn't know schematics and I didn't know the game. So I'm glad some people are starting to come down to fuck back down to earth because it's stupid. Like Jerry Rice could play any fucking wide receiver position. It, yes. Thank you. Right. All right. So now that we're off of that point, um, what did, what even brought us down this path, man? I'm sorry. That oh, okay. No, here we are. Talk, here we talk are. about guys you like in free agency. Another guy that might be a very underwhelming name that was taken in the top 10. And we're talking about giving guys an extra shot right? Like your Barkevious Mingos, Devin Bush, man. Like he was very underwhelming in Pittsburgh. He came out as a true top 10 prospect. Um, and kind of what we were talking about in the draft, I'd, I'd say general rule of thumb, right? Like safeties aren't as, just look at AAVs of salaries, right? Like who are the most expensive players? You have your corners, your quarterbacks, your wide receivers, your tackles, and your edge rushers, right? Those ones typically don't slip as much because you're trying to get a cheaper option to the $25 million player that you would have to re-sign or sign in free agency, right? So that's typically why those guys are up. And in the second, third, fourth round, you'll find starting quality safeties, linebackers, running backs, right? Like high end. But when it comes to top 10 prospects like a Roquan Smith or like a Micah Parsons, Devin Bush, there's there's just a different level to it, right? There There's a bit more... Um, in terms of the intangibles, there's a lot more of it there. Uh, like you can't force someone to be faster than they are, or you can improve speed a little bit, but in terms of size, movement, um, measurements, right? Like that's like you are, you have the production in college. You have all of those things match up that some of these second and third rounders that are productive in the NFL do, but you also have that extra it factor, right? That's why you're a fucking top 10 pick at inside linebacker. It's uncommon but they're there for a reason. The Luke Keekleys, those types of players. Right. Um, so yeah, uh, but, but back to what I was saying, I do, I do, I wouldn't mind kicking the tires on Devin Bush. I'm not saying it's a, a great plan, um, but for what he's going to be getting paid and what it looks like the Eagles, the chiefs and the bears are willing to invest at the off ball linebacker spot. I think he would be a reasonable acquisition. 
Yeah, no, I definitely agree with that. Um, I also, you know, I, I agree with damn near everything you said on that. Um, I, uh, I really liked Devin Bush coming out. Um, I think he's a guy who, you know, I, I think that's the, the, that's the exact type of guy I want us to look for. Somebody who was a high prospect, you know, so he's definitely still has a high ceiling to him, still young, didn't work out with the first team for one reason or another. And uh, we're going to try to kind of reel him in, you know, and I think that's something that Ryan Pace did a really good job of. And I think that's something you see a lot of the better teams in the league kind of take advantage of, you know, sometimes, sometimes it just doesn't work out, you know, and I know like, I know like burner accounts on Twitter always tell us that, uh, you know, guys are trash if they are not like a superstar after their first contract, but like, it just doesn't always work out that way. You know, look how long like doing a hundred times, take a, a guy that is out of position, um, with their new team, maybe out of scheme, and he takes them right back to, hey, we're going to put you in the exact spot you were successful in in college. They have some success. It turns into a third-round fucking comp pick. We've seen it a 100 times. Yeah, exactly. And that's that third-round comp pick, is uh, it's uh, that's nothing. You know what I mean? If you can get a guy like that. Yeah. So I, I, really, I really think there is, there's, there's those guys out there. There's those guys out there. I like – I. Isaiah Wynn, I think, is one that keeps sticking out. And I'm not trying to stay, like, just on offensive tackles, but, like, he's a guy who was just quietly, I thought, just a really solid contributor for New England. And New England just hasn't been all that great. I wouldn't be surprised if they ended up bringing him back. But he's a guy that if he hits the open market, I don't think he'll get an insane market. And he's a guy that you could definitely lock in for a couple years at right tackle and feel really comfortable about. He's not somebody I would want to move to left tackle, and I think he might have been drafted to be a left tackle, and I think he might have spent a little bit of time there. And, uh, you know, sometimes that doesn't totally work out. But, um, you know, even like, uh, you know, and maybe this is a little bit more of like an extreme example, but like even look like an Eric Flowers. Look at, look at like how bad he looked with the Giants when he first fell off, and he was a big, he was a big draft pick for them. And then he goes to Washington and he goes to the Dolphins and he cranks out some pretty decent years at, at, oh, at an inside position. Eli Apple, exactly. That's a very good example. As much as I fucking hate Eli Apple, because James Bradbury, a guy that didn't work out. I always hate Eli Apple for this. This right here, that shit with Tyreek Hill. That is why I hate him. I don't care about the other dumb shit he says. He's he's an he's an NFL cornerback. They all say dumb shit, but don't don't uh don't don't slander my boy Tariq Cohen. Well, yeah, Eli Apple. That's another great example. Got got drafted by the Giants in the first round and just did not pan out. Immediately was sent over to New Orleans. Kind of played decent over there, but nothing kind of world beating. And now he's he's kind of like that just typical veteran cornerback with the Bengals that just kind of comes out of nowhere and prolongs a decent little career out. You know, he's played a lot of playoff football, and he's say what you want about him, he'll have his games where he gets cooked, but he has his games where he also shuts down the best receiver. And it's kind of it's wild, you know. The Bengals are happy to have him, and that's the type of guy you have to go look for, you know. And you know, even even. Even a guy like, dude, look at how long it took for the league to figure out what Akeem, Akeem Hicks was. And Akeem Hicks was – That a was a New England guy. He oh. went from – New uh, England, went to the same – He went from New Orleans to New England to the Bears. Yeah, and he, he was a fucking – Dude, he was – His career there. Oh, Who's the other guy? Danny Shelton. Ball in, his, in his prime. What's that? Danny, Danny Shelton, I think, was one of the big ones that in the last few years for the Patriots that like – was like a supposed to be a really like a stud coming out and just was awful. And then he went to New England and had a really, really good, uh, really, really productive time while he was there. Yeah, because uh, Danny Shelton was supposed to be a stud with Cleveland and you know maybe had a good year or two, but like he really turned around New England and like that's that's a 
key cog to the Belichick machine. If he's playing you at that position, at, you know, at nose tackle, like he obviously likes a lot of what you bring to the table. And you want to know how to get a good way of um, continuing to get free agents for pretty cheap, get them fucking paid the next year. Right now you're going to start having guys being like, you know what? Hey, I'll take two and a half million to go play here. Even though this, this team offered me 4 million, because I know that a lot of these guys got put in the right situation. They got paid the fucking year after. And then what do you, you get a compact, you get a compact back for it. Yeah. Every, I mean, it's a win, win, win situation. Yeah. And that's, that's why, that's why I feel like pace really went nuts with those fucking contracts. And I think that's, that's a good way to fill out a roster. Like if you don't want to spend like all the, like if you want some like borderline starters to like the potential to be like a really good starter, like you take a chance on that and then you can, you can take a chance in the draft on a guy that you really fucking like with an insane ceiling and best case scenario takes that job and uh he takes that job in training camp or he needs a year to kind of cook and uh we have a guy on a one-year deal trying to prove it and then by the time we get to camp next year that guy you drafted that you were available to draft because he signed this one-year deal ends up just being an absolute well, because sometimes you got to put these guys in a fucking slow cooker man like you can't you can't make a fucking roast in two minutes. You know what I mean? Sometimes you got to make a roast by slow cooking it for fucking four hours of potatoes. You know, I, I know that sounds really fat, but it's true. No, I no everything dude. Rome wasn't built in a day. And I think that's what people are kind of not being conscious of. And it's good because we came full circle. And that's kind of what I was trying to say is I think we're going to get a lot more of those <clears throat> 3 million, 5 million, 7 million. You, you think that's not a big contract, dude. There's a big difference between someone who is a vet minimum guy and a $4 million a year guy, right? Like, and you got a lot of holes to fill. So that's why I said, you know, kind of, Hey, let's, I think we're going to take a more conservative approach. And I think you're going to fill some spots that way. And then you have the freedom to draft whoever the fuck you want in the draft. So that's a really good uh, full circle moment we had here. I don't know if we got much, do we, I mean, I don't want to close this out, but. No, no, no. I, uh, I honestly, I think, uh, I think somewhere in this podcast, we, uh, we found a lot of middle ground and I think we're, uh, I think we're to a pretty good understanding of what, uh, what we think we should be doing in free agency now. I mean, but you know, to the, to the flip side of that, Ryan Poles has this tendency to sleep until 2 PM, eat Dorito sandwiches and microwave peanut brittle on glass plates and rub it on his ball. So like anything can still happen here. You know what I mean? Like you have to have the peanut brittle and fucking Dorito sandwich effect in here, you know? Cause like this all sounds great. And this all sounds like th- stuff that like polls realistically can do. But every time we start kind of, at least how I feel about it is like every time I'm starting to get like along with what polls decides he's doing, he throws a fucking just a goddamn curveball, and it's like, what in the fuck are you doing? Well, I'm already right? starting to hear people say, um, you can't fully evaluate it until the finished product is there. No, I'm not waiting four years to evaluate what I think this he got. The, the, Morgan's year, Morgan year is over. That's, oh, over. that's done. It's done. That's, that's what I'm letting out. That's what another P- PSA to all. all right, I didn't mean to like kill your fucking point. No, the like, PSA to all bears. I personally think you can evaluate every single fucking move he's made as a GM because the clock starts when he's hired. Right. But I do understand the, Hey, he took the teardown approach and we had a lot of dead cap and there wasn't much flexibility um, in terms of who you could sign in the off season this year, a hundred percent, you can critique every single fucking move he makes. Absolutely. You can. Um, I'm starting to see that like, Oh, you can't really evaluate 2023 roster. You have to wait till fuck you wait till 2024. No shot, dude. Again, these are the people that I've described a few times tonight that pretend like they have a fucking clue. But they don't. They don't. You can see the writing on the wall, right? Like you can see 
when Pace was rebuilding, you could see it moving in that direction. Like you saw it building and happening, right? And there were some really bad fuck-ups along the way, like a Parnell McPhee or, you know, Eddie Raw. The Eddie Raw was a wasted signing, right? There was a lot of bad signings and a lot of bad draft picks. Jonathan Bullard, a lot of people expected a lot from, and he didn't amount to really much, right? Isn't, but, isn't Bullard still in the NFL, though? I think he's backing up somewhere. He's on a practice it's, squad. Yeah. Man, I feel like I saw that this past year, and I was just disgusted. It's Bullard like, is how one of the fuck most, is he still going? Bullard was one of the most hyped up third round prospects I've ever seen from Bears fans. Good for him though. I like it. Fucking, I'm not gonna just shit. I'm not. I'm not gonna hate on him. But like, God, did that pick just not that work? Was a, that was a tough one. That was a tough yeah. one. That was that was like our modern day fucking Michael Hayes. Does that does that name ring a bell? Mm-hmm. Yeah, but just everyone remember, X just means alignment. It's it's opposite side of the tight end, right? They're they're lined up on the line of scrimmage. That's it. That's all it means. Doesn't mean they're six four, two fucking sixty. Doesn't mean they're a jump ball player. Doesn't mean they're an extreme route runner. It just means that's where they line up. And it, you know, if you want to look at some of these draft prospects, you would think if you're looking at Jordan Addison and um, Jackson Smith and Jigba, uh, who Justin Fields actually gave a shout out to on Pardon My Take. Uh, he recently did an episode. I would definitely go back and listen to it. You get to see the a very human side of Justin Fields, and he's a cool fucking cat, right? He made up with Jersey Jerry. Pretty funny. Um, if you haven't if you haven't um, seen that interview or or watched or listened to that interview, it's very good. But he did say like, "Hey," they asked him, "Who would you draft?" And he was like, he mentioned um, what's it called, uh, Jackson Smith and Jigba first, and then he mentioned. Well, I also am hearing about Carter and Anderson, right? So, um, but if you look at someone like Jordan Addison, he's not a big guy. He's like five foot 11, probably a little bit under 200 pounds. Um, He's lined up in the X position for most of his career, whether it was at USC or Pitt, I believe he went to before, right? Like Stefan Diggs plays the fucking X, right? Like, so I'm, I'm sorry to, to go back into this X receivership, but just like the buzzwords, I know they're coming, bro. I know they're coming. I'm going to hear, I'm going to see three technique in tweets about 17 times a day. And like, yes, I understand while three technique is a very important position. Guys move around on the line. They're not always lined up in three tech, right? Like you just need space eaters um, and you need guys that shoot gaps for this defense. Right. So don't pay too, too much attention. I know you want to put guys in the right position in your mock drafts and make sure like, Hey, yeah, I have a three technique. I have a, a, uh, uh, you know, an outside edge rusher that played in a four-three defense, not a stand-up linebacker. While you don't want to draft guys out of position, especially that edge versus you know the the difference in outside linebacker and defensive line, like there is some there's some flexibility here, right? Like it's a different league than it was fucking ten years ago. You're not in your base defense, like you're 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 in nickel most of the time, and a lot of times you're just trying to create leverage um, and matchups to get you a good pass rush. So someone like a Jalen Carter is absolutely fucking perfect for this team. Yeah, and I mean, I, I think you touched on a good point too, is like any any good defensive coordinator worth a damn is not going to give the same defensive tackle just an incoherent pass rush every single time. Like, they're going to switch that up. Sometimes, like, sometimes you'll have, like, an Eddie Goldman be used as a three-tech fucking guy in, like, a 4-3 system because it'll throw people off. You know what I mean? Like, that's, that's the entire point. You need to be, like – you. you 
people who get too comfortable online with ter- like the new terminology and get too comfortable reading every single defense they see on film as like it being an exact thing before the ball is snapped, they're really screwing up because like defensive coordinators understand this and they're trying to like shadow looks so damn often that like they shadow people who watch film. Like I, like I, I've seen multiple situations of people who are great at watching film admit that they were thrown off by what they had saw at the look because they thought they knew what was coming. And even as the play started happening, they thought they knew what it was and it ended up resulting in a completely different play. Like, so people get really comfortable with that. You know, they get the buzzwords. Like I, I know people who like can only speak well, in buzzwords. They think it's, it's, it's brutal. Like they know what the fuck they're talking about. Right? It's brutal. Like, Cause I, it's I like technique enough times. People are going to think I know what the fuck I mean. Dude, you lose you lose sight of like you lose like sight of the game at a certain point. Like you're not even talking about football at a certain point. You're literally like so far outside of the scope of what actually happens on a down by down basis because you've convinced yourself that you can um like predict everything that's going to happen on a play before it happens just based on where a guy's lined up or based on where a guy lines up consistently. or it, it, I don't know. It's just everybody wants to guess the play that's happening before it happens. And then they get mad at the people who can actually do it because uh, they didn't use the terminology and stuff that they, uh, they like uh, kind of similar to like how everybody hates Tony Romo. Now, even though Tony calls out a fucking defense better than anybody on fucking TV. And uh, they get mad because Tony does it in a way that doesn't fucking sound like a 15 year old who watched, who reads too much PFF fucking content and says buzzwords, every other word, you know what I mean? So like, yeah, we they lose special- sight, they, at a certain point you're losing sight of the game. That's just, that's, that's all I got on that. We got a special friend who um, thinks that every running back should be taken as a UDFA. should never be paid. Maybe a fifth round guy, right? Like just want to remind him football isn't played on spreadsheets. It's played on the football field. Um, and, you know, maybe you shouldn't follow guys that claim to know the threshold before the threshold is determined for consempatory picks, Mel. Go fuck yourself. I, I thought you were going on a Dylan rant there for a second. But, Dylan, uh, he, he gets a lot They got all that shit going on in Ohio. Hopefully they're hopefully they, they're able to manage that situation with, like, the train derailment. So I'm trying to lay off Dylan a little bit, but he's making it very, very difficult because he's just such a cocksucker. <laughs> yeah it's that it is uh the terrible situation overall but i mean dylan dylan does suck uh but yeah i mean i think we've covered quite a bit i think uh man i feel good i, I really yeah no we're in a good spot now i can freak out about the draft next fucking episode next wednesday it will be an intense one because i got a lot of shit i've been doing for this draft a lot yeah yeah no lucas legit hasn't been seen outside his apartment in fucking like months at this point like there's there's a stink that he doesn't realize when other people walk in that people immediately like have to be prepared for like lucas has been living on the draft so it it is going to be a very good episode and you know like i i have my board i like i know the guys that i kind of value um it's i my board looks a little bit different as far as like what I like in the total draft compared to what I think the bears should do. So um, I'll be able to kind of touch on that next week as well. Cause I think, I think valuations as, as much as everyone will always say draft draft best player available, there's, there's a little nuance to it. You know, obviously there are scenarios where it's like, it's obvious, but it gets a little bit, a little bit hasty wow. based on what you want to do as a franchise. You know, I think, um, I think too, like, and it's something that Ryan Pace said, and it's something that resonated with me. You kind of have, clouds of guys right like i'm gonna group these four guys together because i have a similar grade on these four guys and 
one of them's a tackle and you already filled that hole. So we're going to opt to go with the defensive tackle because we need more help there. Right. Like there's that kind of stuff. But to me, it's when there's a guy in cloud a and you're now on, you know, the, the third round of the draft and you're like, we, I don't give a fuck if he is a quarter, um, maybe not quarterback for Justin Fields, but I don't give a fuck if he is a inside linebacker or I don't care if he's a corner and that's our best position right now or a safety and we took one high last year. Like at some point you have to just take the guy that you think is going to be an all pro um, over what you need to fill. Yeah, no, absolutely. I 100% agree. And actually a little teaser for next week. I do want the Bears to draft quarterback. I'm not going to tell you where. I'm not going to tell you where, but I do want the Bears to draft quarterback. I, I, I will say I think Hennon Hooker is getting slighted on a lot of draft boards, and if he stays healthy the whole year, he's an early day two pick. If not, end of day one, someone pulls a Baltimore and trades up to get him on that uh, first-round contract so they can get a fifth-year option. Um, and I'm seeing him fall to the fourth, fifth round. If he's there, you need someone that can run similar concepts to fields. I like him and DTR a lot. Um Right. Like there's a very big now we're getting a little too far into it, but there's a yeah, no, I, I, I was just trying to tease it because like I do have a couple guys in mind. Um, DTR might be one of them, but there's a couple other ones as well. Um, and, and it's I'm kind of, of of the same understanding, though, like we need a guy that can come in and not miss a beat like we can't. It's it's always nice in theory to have a guy like Trevor Simeon as your backup, but like when you're running an offense like we ran this year with Fields, like we can't we can't go away from that. There's the their version of a Tyler Huntley. You can't um you can't expect ten guys to change everything they do because your quarterback changed. Yeah, hopefully their nickname's not Snoop though. I'm not I'm not I'm not about people being nicknamed Snoop that aren't Snoop Dogg. That's just a personal preference of mine. Who's Snoop? Wasn't there a Snoop Tyler Tyler Huntley? He's Snoop Huntley. Snoop Huntley. Ah, he, he made the Pro Bowl, dude. I, I, that's Come on. Dude, if we're going to talk about Tyler Huntley making the Pro Bowl, fucking Mitch Trubisky. I was, I was a fucking bronze I'm surprised they didn't give it to someone like Pickett, right? Like, I'm surprised. Like, oh, okay, let's get let's get the rookie in there. Let's give it, you know. Yeah, I mean, like, honestly. Let's like, have I, AFC quarterbacks, bro, and like one through ten being stacked, I just – just don't yeah. know how you land on. Hunting. We we gotta we gotta save some of this for next week because like the the Ravens are a whole situation. I wouldn't mind even just segueing on because yeah, I don't know. But anyway, I think we're gonna close it out there, uh, Lucas. I'll give you a finish point at the end here. But um, this has been barely there. Um, I'm thinking we're gonna be recording every. We're definitely gonna do these two Wednesdays for sure. Um, depending on the news that's going to be coming out, we're going to kind of go from there, but I would expect at the very absolute minimum, it would be every other Wednesday. Um, we're going to definitely ramp up once we get close to the draft. We're probably going to go every Wednesday. Once we get, once we get a little bit closer to that, um, I am going to want to do a pretty nice sized, uh, draft combine episode. Cause I think we're going to get a lot of, uh, oh, we're gonna gonna, a live draft again too, right? Oh, absolutely. I, and that was, that's where I was going next. Like we're going to do, we're going to live draft. Fuck dude. I, I'd be up to do all three days, honestly. Um, yeah. I, I thought, I thought we had an incredible time last year and with where we are on the board with the first round pick, it would feel insane if we didn't, you know? So, um, we'll definitely let some people join in. Um, I think we had like six people in the chat at, at a certain point or six people on feed at a certain point, even though Mel didn't turn on his uh, camera. Cause you know, he's Canadian, but, um, I, uh, I really think, I really think that was a lot of fun and it's something I definitely want to do again this year. 
Um, I do think the combine episode is going to be a long one just because not even just to kind of like have hot takes about who ran a good 40 and whatnot, but because we're going to get a good idea of valuations at that point, because that's when NFL GMs get more settled. NFL GMs can always claim up, you know, up the wall that they don't let the NFL combine affect their fucking or cloud their judgment. And like, it's the biggest lie in the fucking history of the game. You know what I mean? Like people fall in love with guys at the combine every single year. So that'll definitely be a good one. Um, Free agency, depending on the, on on the direction we go, that could, that could be a pretty good episode as well. We still Um, gotta wait for, that's the thing. Like, we'll probably do a pre-free agency episode because there's going to be guys that are getting extended, tagged, etc. Like, yeah, we're going to have to update some of the some of the guys we listed today. For it always sure. looks super wide open at this time of the year, and then those fucking guys that you really like are usually mostly gone by the time free agency actually kicks off. But the flip side of that is, uh, we will definitely see some surprise cuts that we don't necessarily see coming and cost cutting cost cutting moves. Um, honestly, dude. Something big might come out of Jacksonville because uh, Calvin Ridley's applying for uh, reinstatement, which until today I completely forgot Calvin Ridley was in Jacksonville. And holy fucking shit, dude, what a, what an offense they could have with freaking Lawrence running the helm. So uh, there could potentially be a decent little decent little player coming out of Jacksonville that That's they part of the reason why I was keying in on uh, Taylor because it's like they, they they're already pressed against the cap. They're gonna have to make cuts. There's no way they're gonna be able to pay him like legit what he's worth 12 14 mil um yeah. so yeah man just freaking calvin calvin or yeah calvin ridley um two years off zay, zay jones and christian kirk what a freaking wide receiver trio that's that could be nasty next year but anyway uh we're divulging definitely a lot bit of a longer episode if you stuck with us this long thanks um if you if if you made it this far um and you listened in chunks again thanks i know this one's going to be a bit bit one uh um to kind of take in, but I thought me and Lucas made a lot of good points. So on that point, I got nothing else. Lucas, do you have any uh, last words for the uh, diehard fans at home? Nope. Nothing. Yeah. No last words. That is, that is what Lucas feels about you all at home. So just for I was going to say you guys all fart on your balls. So. <laughs> all right. But uh, I'm Duke Coughlin. You can follow me at that pod guy, Duke on Twitter. That's Lucas Freddy. You can follow him at Lucas Freddy 46. And uh, we've been barely there. Bear down. Bear down.